Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. We are proud to have Microdose sponsoring our mission. As you know, we've been meeting fans and partners across the country, and it has been stressful to say the least, or at least it would have been without Microdose. They were perfect to ease the stress of flying, correcting jet lag, or relaxing after a long day of meetings and recording. Microdose gummies are made using the highest quality organic ingredients ingredients possible. They are vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and infused with organ-grown berries. We know that we will see a lot of options out there, but we are always impressed by the consistency provided by Microdose. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at Microdose.com. Promo code MANDY. It is available nationwide. That is Microdose.com, promo code MANDY, for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com, promo code MANDY. I don't know if anyone shot Alec Murdoch, but law enforcement recently released three 911 calls in the alleged shooting, which frankly raised more questions than answers in this endless Southern saga. My name is Mandy Matney, and I've been investigating the Murdoch family for more than two and a half years now, and this is the Murdoch Murders Podcast. Previously on the Murdoch Murders Podcast. On September 4th, 2021, which was the Saturday of Labor Day weekend, Fitz News first broke the story that Alec Murdoch was allegedly shot. Almost immediately, sources close to the situation told Fitz News that Alec's story was suspicious and not adding up. The South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, which is the same agency that is investigating nearly all of the alleged crimes associated with the Murdoch family, released a statement the day after the shooting that said that Alec's head wound was superficial. They never called him a victim, they never gave any suspect descriptions of the shooter, and they kept their statements simple, which to me was a hint that the story that the Murdoch camp was feeding the media was false. Around the same time, Alec Murdoch's lawyers Dick Harputlian and Jim Griffin started to embark on a week-long spin campaign in an attempt to control the narrative and make Alec appear like the victim. They repeatedly fed the media a story that did not make sense, that Alec was changing a tire on the side of a rural Hampton County road when a man drove up to him and shot him. And then things got weirder. On Labor Day, that would be two days after the alleged shooting incident, a family spokesperson released a statement saying that Alec Murdoch was going into rehab and resigning from the law firm built by his family, and that would be PMPED. So keep in mind, the Murdoch camp was really pushing this opioid addict storyline hard right after the alleged shooting, which they'd never done before. On that same day, PMPED, the law firm started by Alec's great-grandfather in 1910, released a statement to the media claiming that Alec Murdoch misappropriated millions of dollars from their law firm. So on that same week, which would still be days after the Labor Day alleged shooting, the South Carolina Supreme Court suspended Alec Murdoch from practicing law due to evidence of misconduct that is under investigation. The next day, which would be September 8th, 2021, a few days after the shooting, sources close to the situation told us that police recovered the knife that slashed Alec Murdoch's tires from the alleged shooting scene. And that knife was connected to Alec Murdoch. 
Murdoch's attorneys claimed that Ellick had an entry and exit wound and was temporarily blinded in the shooting. They also told reporters that he was released from the hospital two days after the alleged shooting. So which is it? Was it a serious injury or was he released two days later? The injuries certainly were not the only holes poked in the stories coming from the Murdoch camp this month. They told reporters that Ellick was airlifted to MUSC in Charleston, but he was actually flown to a hospital in Savannah. They told reporters that Ellick was changing a tire on the side of the road, but the Mercedes-Benz SUV had run-flat tires that he was driving that day. They told reporters that Ellick was on his way to Charleston from Moselle, but the road what he was on was out of the way from that route. Fitznews appeared to be the only media outlet holding the lawyers to account and calling out their lies. Everybody else was just running around acting like it was a normal thing. However, the Murdoch spin campaign was abruptly thrown off course on September 10th when SLED officials arrested 61-year-old Curtis Eddie Smith. Smith was hit with several serious charges, including assisted suicide, assault and battery of a high and aggravated nature, pointing and presenting a firearm, insurance fraud, and conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. In the arrest warrants, we learned that Alec Murdoch admitted to setting up a suicide scheme so his son Buster could collect a $10 million insurance policy. News of Eddie Smith's arrest broke late at night on September 10th, around 11 p.m., But just hours later, Dick Harputlian appeared on the Today Show the next morning where he continued to push this opioid narrative. Harputlian claimed that Murdoch was trying to get off opioids on the morning of September 4th and decided to end his life. He called this guy um, who met him on the side of the road, agreed to shoot him in the head, um, and uh, this fake uh, car breakdown. Uh, 30 minutes later, this guy shooting him in the head. However, Eddie Smith's attorney tells a totally different story about what happened on September 4th, 2021. He received a call from Alec Murdoch that um, asked if he could go to Mr. Murdoch's parents' house and said to bring the truck, which was the, um, he understood to mean his work truck. And that work truck made Eddie believe that, well, he was coming to do some kind of odd job. And that's where he first encounters um, Mr. Murdoch in a, a suicidal um, very agitated state. Murdoch was requesting that Eddie essentially assist him in, in shooting and wanted Eddie to shoot him at that time, to which he refused. And the um, the state of Mr. Murdoch just continued to deteriorate, and there was a struggle for the weapon that went off at some point. Eddie left the scene, and Mr. Murdoch was still there with no visible signs of injury. Now, two days after Smith was charged, Ellick was also charged with three felonies in this alleged suicide-for-hire scheme. Less than two weeks after the alleged shooting, Alec Murdoch showed up at the bond hearing without a scratch on his head. This raised all sorts of suspicions in the public eye. Was Alec Murdoch ever even shot? While Alec Murdoch's bond was set at $20,000... Smith's, on the other hand, was set at $55,000 cash. In Hampton County Court that week, we watched two systems of justice play out in live action. One for people like Alec Murdoch and one for people like Eddie Smith.
On Friday, October 22nd, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, also known as SLED, released three 911 calls from the alleged Alec Murdoch shooting on September 4th, 2021. We're going to walk you through all 13 minutes of these calls. The first call we will play is from two witnesses who passed by Alec Murdoch by himself on the side of Salkahatchee Road in Hampton County, South Carolina, which is about 80 miles west of Charleston, South Carolina. Hampton County 911, where is your emergency? Yes, um, we're on Sakahatchee Road, and uh-huh. there is a man on the side of the road with blood all over him, and he's waving his hands. He just laying there, fl- waving his hands around? He's fine. He looks fine, but it kind of looks like a setup, so we didn't stop. Oh, I don't blame you. So here, the woman is saying that she saw a man on the side of the road waving his hands with blood all over him, but she said that it looked like a setup. And the operator, in response, says, I don't blame you for not stopping. What area of Sakahatchee Road are you on? All I can tell you is we're like halfway down Sakahatchee Road. Okay, all right. And this was shortly after you turned off of Walterboro, come across Walterboro Highway, or? Let me, let me pull over so I can look at my GPS. Okay, because I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to pull up a location as well on your phone. Um... I know that we we bared to the left. There's a, what's called a Sylvester Road. Yes, Sylvester Road. Uh huh. Okay, when you bear to the left there, uh huh, he's probably two miles down. Okay, about two miles from the Sylvester Road bear off. That's roughly yeah. Roughly. Okay. All right. Well, let me get my deputies in that area to see what's going on. Could you give me a description of that mail? So what's weird about this? The Hampton 911 operator says that she is dispatching Hampton County deputies here. While we don't know what time this call was placed, it was likely around the same time or slightly after Alec Murdoch called 911, which was at 1.34 p.m. The Hampton County Sheriff's Office wasn't even dispatched to the scene until 12 minutes after Ellick placed that 911 call, which is very odd considering that they labeled the call an attempted murder in the police report. It took Hampton County deputies more than an hour to arrive on scene at Salkahatchee Road. Uh, I'm going to say he's probably in his 40s. Okay. He's not very large, but he's kind of heavyset. Uh, white hair, and it's a black, some kind of SUV, like a smaller Kia SUV or something. Uh-huh. Kia. And it stopped where he's at? So what? You said that SUV is stopped where he's at? I, I couldn't understand what you said. The SUV is right where he's at as well? He's pulled over on the side of the road. There's no damage to the SUV. He's mm-hmm. caution lights on. Okay. The trunk, the trunk of it was open. Okay. All right. Well, let me get my deputies headed to that area. What's your name and a good contact number for you? Bill, um, I have my adult, uh, deputies headed out that way, okay? All right. So thank you. No problem. Bye-bye. But again, it took Hampton County deputies more than an hour to arrive on scene, which raises several questions. What took them so long to dispatch deputies to the scene, and what took them so long to get there? Hampton is not that big. If you're looking for plump lips that last, 
you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Velux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, the improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Velux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Alec Murdoch first called Hampton County 911 at 1.34 p.m. September 4th. Here is the beginning of that call. Hampton County 911, what is your emergency? On um, Salkahatchee Road. Okay, what's the address on Salkahatchee Road? I'm by the church. Uh, what church here? What church are you talking about? Uh, I don't know the name of it with the red roof. Okay, what end of Salkahatchee Road? Because I don't know what you're talking about. Um, at the Hampton County side. Okay, what's going on? I stop. I got a flat tire, mm-hmm. and I stopped, and somebody stopped to help me. And when I turned my back, they tried to shoot me. Oh, okay. Were you shot? Yes, but okay. I mean, I'm okay. You shot where? Where were you shot at? As early as 49 seconds into Alex's first call, we realized that a second 911 operator is speaking with the bystanders. The 911 calls are happening simultaneously. Huh? Did they actually shoot you or they tried to shoot you? They shot me, but... Uh, okay, wait, you need EMS? Uh, well, I mean, yes, I, I can't drive. Okay. And I'm bleeding a lot. A couple things here. 
Alex Tanavoice sounds more like he's ordering pizza than reporting to 911 that he was shot in the head by an unknown assailant. Second, he tells the 911 operator that his tire was flat before he says that he was shot in the head. Third, Alec does not in any way appear to be afraid of the alleged shooter. And finally, he doesn't sound like he's in any pain whatsoever. Where, where part of your body? Uh, I'm not sure. Somewhere on my head. Your head? Somebody just stopped for me, ma'am. Um, for 911. Okay. Still? Hey. Okay, let me speak to him, see if he can tell me exactly where you are. Okay. Red roof. Yeah, hurry, please. Okay, and what's your name? I'm still here. I'm going to stay on the line with you. What's your name? Alex Murdoch. Alex Murdoch? Yes, ma'am. And you see you were driving, you got a flat tire, somebody stopped to help you, and they shot you? Well, they pulled over, yes, ma'am, like they were going to help me. Okay, stay on the line with me. We're going to get some. I'm bleeding pretty bad. Okay. Still? St. John's Missionary Church. St. John's Missionary Church? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And can you give me a description of the person that shot you or shot at you? Yes, ma'am. I mean, okay. it was a, okay. right. a, so a white fella. Uh, I'd say a white male, uh-huh. a fair amount younger than me, uh, really, really short hair. Um, you have an ambulance coming, ma'am? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Stay on the line. I got them on the way. Here, Alec Murdoch is describing the man who allegedly shot him. But here's the thing. This man Alec is describing is completely different from the man who Sled arrested for shooting Alec Murdoch, who is Curtis Eddie Smith. Eddie Smith looks much older than Alec. He is 61 years old while Alec is 53. He does not have short hair. He has long, curly hair. And we're going to talk to Curtis's attorneys about this later in this episode, but it's something to take note of. And something else, he quickly changes the subject... He really seems to not want to answer questions about who allegedly shot him. He appears to want to get off the phone. You think one of y'all can drive me to the hospital? Uh, Yes, sir. You want to get the trunk, though, because I got a baby and he's doing the back. One of y'all can get in this car and drive me? Uh, Yes, sir. They're going to drive me to the hospital. Alec Murdoch is apparently flagging down two people who were on Old Saukahatchee Road that afternoon. He asks them if they can drive him to the hospital. One of them says that they have a baby in the backseat and he would have to ride in the trunk, but without mentioning that he's bloody or anything like that. Apparently the call drops and that's the end of the call. Then Alec placed a second 911 call. This is four minutes after he first placed a call to 911. At the beginning of that call, you can hear him instructing another person on how to start his car. Is it cranked? Yeah, it should be cranked. Is that it should be in drive? Okay, now it is. 911, where's your emergency? That's me, I lost you. This young lady is driving me to the hospital. 
she's carrying you to the hospital? Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> okay. And who is this? This is Alec Murdoch. I was on the phone a minute ago. Okay. All right. Okay. They said he said that somebody's taking him to the hospital. Okay. Oh yeah, look, we got a flat tire. Got two ten twelve. Ma'am, I need the ambulance. You need the ambulance? Okay. Where are you still in the same location? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Which way are y'all heading? Are y'all still? Are y'all driving down the road? No, ma'am. I, I, I got a flat tire. Okay. All right. Sit. Sit tight right there. Okay. Ma'am. Okay. Yes, sir. We're still here. We're still here. Hold on. We're dispatching now, giving them information. Where? Where are you at? I want to get this all over your car. All right, now they're taking me to the hospital. Okay, so which way are y'all traveling? Um, we're coming down Salkahatchee Road to the Hampton Hospital. Y'all coming down Salkahatchee? Ma'am? Y'all coming down Salkahatchee Road to your ho to the hospital? Yes, ma'am. Okay. There they said they said that they're coming down they're coming down stop heading you ready heading towards the hospital but alright we're going to keep EMS en route to you okay okay it seems as though they're driving a white Nissan which is not his vehicle are you coming off of Walterburg Highway uh we'll be at Walterburg Highway in uh, 10 minutes or so they said in about 10 minutes or so they'll be in Waterbury Highway. Mm-hmm. What kind of vehicle are you in? A white um, Nissan Rogue. It's a white Nissan Rogue. And y'all still heading down the road, Mr. Murdoch? Yes, ma'am. Okay, y'all still heading down the road? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay, <clears throat> and what's a good callback for you, Mr. Murdoch? We're at uh, Lightsey Crossroads now. You're at Lightsey Crossroads now? Okay, so I'll be advised there on Waldemar Highway in a white Nissan Rogue, white Nissan Rogue. Is the flashers on? Do you have the... No, we're at this time, there's still 1017 to the hospital. Ma'am? Y'all still on the... Okay. Y'all still 17. Do you have your flashers on, on the vehicle? Is the flashers on? Is the flashers on? Yes. Yes. Hotel 12. Location for the individual is just being escorted to the hospital. Tim, they're on Walterboro Highway. All right, we see the ambulance, so we can pull over. Okay. Tell them we're in the white car. Uh, they're in the white Nissan Rogue on Waterboro Highway. They are pulling over. Um, they see the EMS. Okay. Do y'all stop? I see them. Yeah, Waterbury Highway, and where? They're here. They're here. 
Okay. Okay. I'm going to hang up now. Okay, then you... At this point, it's at least 10 minutes after Alec Murdoch initially called 911 and he was getting into an ambulance and the plan was to take him to the Hampton Hospital. CareFlight officials told me that the medical helicopter that transported Alec Murdoch from a landing zone about seven miles from the alleged shooting scene was dispatched at 1.43 p.m., approximately nine minutes after Alec Murdoch called 911. So who called a medical helicopter for Alec Murdoch when he apparently had minor injuries? And was Alec intentionally trying to divert law enforcement away from the scene? An eyewitness at the scene of the helicopter landing showed me pictures that were timestamped and said that the helicopter landed at the scene along Charleston Highway in Varnville around 2.15 p.m. and the helicopter left around 2.25 p.m. The helicopter, which is based in Colleton County, transported Alec Murdoch to the hospital in Savannah, Georgia. This leads to so many questions. Again, who called the medical helicopter and why isn't that apparent on these 911 phone calls? And what was the point of all of this? Was he trying to end his life? Was he trying to get drugs at the hospital? Was he trying to do something to get the public to feel sorry for him? Or did he want people to believe that drug dealers were after him and his family? Or was all of this just a big distraction from the double homicide investigation? The 911 calls unfortunately didn't answer any of those questions. And neither did the few pages of medical records released by Alex's defense team last week. I don't trust those records and I'm not going to waste my time analyzing them. We can clearly hear that Alec was not suffering after this alleged shooting, and he told the dispatcher that he is fine. So what does this mean for Eddie Smith? Whether it's David surprising me with a sparkly anniversary gift, or we're finding something special for our moms, or even if I'm picking out something for myself, sourcing it from BlueNile.com makes me feel super confident about jewelry purchases. Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds and fine jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. Blue Nile offers peace of mind with every purchase, with some of the highest quality standards in the industry. From technical questions to budget suggestions, they are here to help you find a piece that you can feel great about, whether you are gifting it to yourself or someone else. If you have questions, Blue Nile's jewelry experts are on hand 24-7 via phone or chat. I love that I can ask about Blue Nile's sustainability practices and all the details concerning each spectacular stone. Experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler. Go to BlueNile.com today. That is BlueNile.com. Hey, True Sunlight listeners, I am here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. You can now use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. There is a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for David, and sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now... 
with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. David is the foodie in our family, and I found the perfect new knife set that had him smiling and dancing in the kitchen. The other cool thing, Etsy is a marketplace, not a seller, retailer, or manufacturer of goods. Entrepreneurship is very important to us, and we are proud to support the independent sellers and shops on Etsy. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. After the 911 calls were released, I took another look at the arrest warrants against Eddie Smith, the man charged in this alleged shooting, and I noticed something. The arrest warrants contain everything we know so far about Sled's case against Eddie Smith, and it's concerning to see that Ellick's statement appears to make up a lot of the backbone of those affidavits at least from what we can see. Ellick has proven to be completely unreliable, so why was his statement even mentioned in those arrest warrants? And another thing, Ellick was supposed to be the mastermind behind this operation. Why is he facing significantly less time in prison than Eddie, who was charged with five felonies and two drug counts related to the search warrant in this case? Eddie faces up to 65 years in prison for charges related to the assisted suicide scheme, while Ellick only faces 20. From what we know, the only thing Eddie has admitted to is being there on Old Salkahatchee Road and disposing of the gun afterwards. Curtis has told his attorney and multiple media outlets that he wrestled the gun away from Ellick and the gun went off but did not hit him. So does Sled have any more evidence against Eddie Smith? In the last two weeks, I've had a lot of long conversations with one of Eddie Smith's attorneys, Johnny McCoy. McCoy has spent most of his career fighting for the wrongfully accused, including himself. In 2009, when he was a young attorney, McCoy was wrongfully arrested himself by Columbia, South Carolina police officers in Five Points, which is a popular bar district downtown. Video evidence shows McCoy asking Columbia police officers why they were arresting his friend and then officers shoving him multiple times before placing him under arrest. He was charged with resisting arrest and forced to spend a night in jail at the same detention center where Alec Murdoch is now. During that time he was in jail, he watched a man hang himself. Those few hours in jail forever changed McCoy's life. While dealing with scars that just won't heal, McCoy became determined to use his law degree for good and fight for those who had been wronged by the system. He eventually won a $300,000 settlement with the city of Columbia, which he then used to start his own law practice. In one of McCoy's cases, he won over $11 million in a civil rights lawsuit involving a Myrtle Beach man named Julian Benton. Benton was shot nine times by police officers while inside his home. I plan on getting into more details of that case in a later episode, but y'all need to understand that McCoy comes from a different place than most defense attorneys. So I started this conversation by asking McCoy what he thought of the 911 call. I mean, Alex Murdoch said that the guy who shot him was a quite a bit younger than him. We all know that Curtis is 61 years old, that he was, uh, had very, very short hair, which we all know Curtis has got those beautiful golden locks. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, you're watching a mass manipulating liar con man lying you're what you're listening to him create a false narrative right in front of your eyes and for sled to say okay okay right right but this time 
the second story, he said it was a confession. So, you know, the guy looks like, you know, the guy looks like a, 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 a godlike figure. So if he's saying, all right, this is my confession, and this, then it must be true. And that is the craziest thing I've ever heard of as a criminal defense lawyer, to think that an individual in a position of power can literally say, this guy did something to me, somebody that they don't like, this guy did something to me. And that person to just be, be arrested based on their words and their words alone with nothing. I mean, it's, there's evidence to the contrary. There's not even evidence obviously showing that anything Alex Murdoch said was the truth. There's evidence to the contrary all the way through it. There are no text messages. There are no phone calls. There's no, you know, scheme drawn out on maps. There's no discussion about it. He was, Alex Murdoch was making it up as he went along including the calling Eddie to the scene. He was making it up as he goes along. And and he, the entire goal was to make himself a victim and to change the public's perception of him as, you know, this guy who's out killing and shooting and doing all these other things uh, into somebody who is, you know, he's on the back end of violence. And when you think of it that way, uh, you start to understand that this guy got his ultimate goal. What's the ultimate goal? The narrative change, and then what's the secondary ultimate goal? Opioids in his veins. And he did both. He did both on the side of the road. After pursuing justice for his clients and himself in South Carolina for more than a decade, McCoy has earned a unique perspective on inequity in our court system. He gets frustrated that the sword of justice seems to be swinging, but the scale is as unbalanced as ever. This is business as usual in the state of South Carolina when it comes to powerful people versus quote unquote nobodies. I was a nobody, Julian Benton was a nobody, Curtis Smith was a nobody. But not anymore. Not anymore. The only the only thing that's changed in the course of this case, after the Today Show interview and all the other the, all the other stuff that's been brought to light, is is these people in positions of power are starting to second guess who we can pick off. Who's our next victim? Is it is it, a, it can can we continue going after no names? And that's the message that we hope to have sent to the people in powerful positions who are who are ensuring that nobody's watching the watchers, that the watchers are finally gonna be watched. And they're gonna have to answer for what they've been doing around the state of South Carolina. And they're gonna have to answer for what they did to Curtis Smith and Julian Benton and me. They're gonna have to answer for it, finally. And that, to them, is completely foreign because, because they, they have never, ever had to answer. Well, what happened with the Johnny McCoy investigation? What happened with the Julian Benton investigation? What's going on with the Curtis Smith investigation? So for the first time ever, on a national scale, the country is seeing either gross incompetence or in on it. And I don't think that they're gonna be able to just get away with business as usual after this. We hope to learn more information about the Eddie Smith case in the next few weeks. Stay tuned to the Murdoch Murders podcast and fitsnews.com. That's F-I-T-S news.com for the latest updates. Follow me on Twitter at Mandy Matney. That's M-A-N-D-Y-M-A-T-N-E-Y. And follow me on Instagram at Mandy underscore N underscore Hilton Head for more updates.
Before we end this episode, I want to tell y'all about a fabulous event coming up in Columbia, South Carolina this month. On October 30th, a fundraiser will be held for the Stephen Smith family at the Capitol Club in Columbia. Proceeds will go to Sandy Smith's legal expenses and a scholarship fund in Stephen's name. I will be there. Cody Alcorn of Fox Carolina News will be emceeing. Check for links in the description and you can donate to the GoFundMe. And I will be writing about this event at fitznews.com. There's so much to unpack in this case, and Mandy works tirelessly to expose the truth. But the truth is, she works hard, and she does get tired. If you believe, like I do, that Mandy is the best in the business, and I'm a little biased, visit MurdochMurdersPodcast.com and click the Support the Show link to learn how you can help. Leave a five-star review to offset the haters. Refer an advertiser and get a finder's fee. Or advertise your company, product, or service. We can geotarget across the globe and find the right audience to suit your needs. Help us get Luna some treats so she doesn't interrupt the show as much. And absolutely subscribe to FitzNews.com. Mandy and Will are revolutionizing journalism, and your subscriptions are invaluable to that mission. Plus, you get awesome content every day. And don't forget to leave a five-star review, unless you're going to be nasty and talk about my vocal fry. The Murdoch Murders Podcast is created by me, Mandy Matney, and my fiancé, David Moses. Produced by Luna Shark Productions. Ah!